Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Earlier this week, the UK finally announced their new Prime Minister. Liz Truss has been sworn in as Britain's 56th Prime Minister after travelling to Scotland to be appointed by the Queen. Liz Truss will be the next Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Truss defeated former Finance Minister Rishi Sunak in the race for Prime Minister. Weeks after Boris Johnson announced he would step down on the back of months of pressure following scandal after scandal, the Conservatives whittled down their pack of hopefuls to two, with Foreign Secretary Liz Truss winning out over former Chancellor of the Exchequer Rishi Sunak. But who is Liz Truss? And why are there so many negative reports about the woman who calls Boris Johnson her friend? Today we find out exactly who the new British PM is and how she'll handle taking on the top job. But first, in news headlines for Thursday, September 8. The Queen has postponed her Privy Council meeting after royal doctors told her to rest. The 96-year-old monarch's latest cancellation has raised more concerns about her health. Doctors saying she needed time to rest after a full day accepting Boris Johnson's resignation and swearing in his replacement Liz Truss. The Queen now spends the majority of her time at Balmoral Castle away from London for her comfort, with The Sun reporting that her son Prince Charles visits regularly, saying the unplanned visits are highly unusual. The driver of a Nissan Navara that crashed in New South Wales this week, killing five teenagers, will appear in court today. The 18-year-old has been charged with dangerous driving, causing death. Following the crash that saw the vehicle leave the road and hit a tree, the impact tearing the ute apart, killing all five passengers at the scene. The man was arrested after being released from hospital, suffering non-life-threatening injuries. He's been refused bail and will appear at the local Picton court today. A foundation set up by a businessman with links to the Governor-General and that has been receiving millions of dollars in funding from the previous government has had that funding cut off. Concerns had been raised over the Australian Future Leaders Foundation, which has never run a leadership program and has no website or staff, but was granted $18 million in the Morrison government's March budget with support from Governor-General David Hurley, who reportedly gave a PowerPoint presentation about it to then-Prime Minister Scott Morrison before the money was awarded. Those who raised the concerns told the ABC that the program was only going to benefit privileged white kids and was set up to really leverage relationships to gain access to business and political figures. 
Prime Minister Anthony Albanese believes that the key to shaping the economy in coming decades is equality for women. Anthony Albanese will give a speech to business leaders in Canberra today where he'll emphasise equality for women in participation, in pay, in leadership opportunities and financial security, saying it's an essential precondition for Australia's future economic growth. The Labor government plans to make pay equity a key objective of the Fair Work Act, especially in sectors where there's a majority of women working, like aged, child and disability care. For the first time, the position of both leader and deputy leader of the UK are being held by women. New PM Liz Truss announced her new cabinet yesterday, clearing out many ministers from the Boris Johnson era, especially those who supported her rival Rishi Sunak for the top job, announcing a diverse lineup which for the first time includes not a single white man in the great offices of state, including the PM, Chancellor, Foreign Secretary and Home Secretary. Her deputy is Theresa Coffey, Kwasi Kateng becomes the first black man to hold the position of Treasury Chief, James Cleverly, whose mother is from Sierra Leone, is the Foreign Secretary, and Suella Braverman, who has Indian heritage, is the Secretary responsible for Immigration and Law. That's your latest news headlines in a moment, today's Deep Dive. Mary Elizabeth Truss was born in July 1975 in Oxford. Her dad, John, was a well-known professor of pure mathematics at the University of Leeds and her mum, Priscilla, a nurse. She spent a year studying in Canada before heading to Oxford where she would read philosophy, politics and economics at Merton College. Truss started out in a very different political place than she's at today. She originally joined the Liberal Democrats and was keen to abolish the monarchy and legalise cannabis. We Liberal Democrats believe in opportunity for all. We believe in fairness and common sense. We believe in referenda on major constitutional issues. We do not believe that people should be born to rule. That's Liz Truss speaking at the Liberal Democrat conference in 1994. But when she graduated in 1996, Truss flipped and joined the Conservative Party, known as the Tories, much to her left-leaning parents' disdain. She now often jokes that we all make mistakes in our youth and that hers was the fact she was once a Liberal Democrat. She married her accountant partner Hugh O'Leary in 2000 and they would go on to have two children together, Liberty and Frances. But like her predecessor, Boris Johnson, she was not always faithful to her partner, albeit not quite on the scale of Mr Johnson's indiscretions. Truss had an affair with fellow Tory MP Mark Field in 2005, after the then Shadow Minister for London was assigned as her political mentor. While the affair ended Mark Field's marriage, Liz and Hugh stuck it out, and despite the revelation almost ending her career in politics, some of her colleagues calling for her to be deselected as a candidate at the 2009 election, she would, after two failed attempts, become the Conservative MP for South West Norfolk in 2010. She was elevated to the ministry in the David Cameron government, becoming the Education Minister in 2012. That same year, she released a book called Britannia Unchained. She wrote it with four other newly elected Conservative MPs, where they called out British people for being amongst the worst idlers in the world, more interested in football and pop music than their Indian counterparts. Trust denies she herself wrote those particular comments. 
In 2014, she was appointed Environment Secretary and gave a speech at the Conservative Conference about British food that would go viral in the UK. I want our children to grow up knowing the taste of a British apple, of Cornish sardines, of Herefordshire pears, of Norfolk turkey, of Melton Mowbray pork pies, and of course, of black pudding. That speech led to memes about Truss hovering over your plate at dinner when she realises the cheese you're eating isn't British. When it came to Brexit, Truss was initially firmly in the Remain camp. She argued passionately for Britain to stay in the EU, warning that going it alone could result in a wasted decade for the UK. But by 2017, she'd changed her tune, saying the massive economic problems she'd feared had not come to fruition and they were doing just fine. Truss was appointed as Justice Secretary in 2016, Chief Secretary of the Treasury in 2017, International Trade Secretary in 2019, and then Foreign Secretary in 2021, serving as a minister for three Conservative leaders, David Cameron, Theresa May, and then Boris Johnson. Then this year, when Boris Johnson's many scandals finally caught up with him and he announced he'd be stepping down from the leadership, Liz Truss was one of the many Conservatives to put her hand up to replace him. Over a period of eight weeks, she promised the Conservative Party members that she'd deliver an emergency budget, scrap the April national insurance rise, drop plans for corporation tax rises and encourage workers back to the office. She revealed plans to reduce illegal immigration, demanded cuts to key crimes, create a standalone offence for street harassment. She promised to press ahead with the domestic abuse register and expand the use of stop-and-search powers. She says she'll focus on tackling Russian and Chinese aggressions, strengthen the Commonwealth, continue support for Ukraine and keep an open mind on whether the French president is actually an ally. She promised to publish her tax returns, push back on identity politics and end the parliamentary inquiry into Boris Johnson. This is, of course, just a snapshot of the promises Liz Truss has made over the campaign, as the candidates were slowly whittled down to just two. Truss and former ex-checker of the Treasury, Rishi Sunak, one of the ministers who quit triggering Johnson's departure. A vote from the Conservative Party members decided Truss would be their next leader, but not by much. To talk us through Liz Truss's rise to power is Associate Professor Dr Rob Manwaring from Flinders University's College of Business, Government and Law. Rob, we've seen Liz Truss switch her support for what party she represents, where she stands on Brexit, and even whether there should be a monarchy or not, it seems she's someone easily swayed. So what sort of politician does that make her? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think one thing is you would say in terms of just some of her characteristics is that she's clearly very ambitious and also very hardworking. And the hardworking element, I think, is something that will differentiate her as prime minister. I think that's something that was never really described about Boris Johnson, for example, or even David Cameron. But in terms of her values and her beliefs, this is the real unknown and the sort of mystery about Liz Truss because she's become quite a shapeshifter really and therefore it becomes very difficult to try and pin down exactly what her political agenda will be and how she's going to translate because as you indicate in your comments there Liz Trust not that long ago was an avid supporter of remaining in the European Union which was a huge touchstone issue economically and culturally for Britain but has now 
very much become a very strong Brexiteer and defender of that decision, despite fairly clear evidence about some of the economic problems that that's caused. So she's very difficult to kind of pin down economically. What she seemingly has shifted into is advocating for a small state and a kind of low tax kind of Britain. So a lot of her pledges that she made during the hustings when she was trying to assume the leadership of the Conservative Party were very much around pledging for no new taxes, scrapping some of the tax increases that her predecessor, Rishi Sunak, had done as Chancellor, for example, on national insurance contributions, and also reducing corporation tax. So I think we get some indication that she's sort of trying to fit into a sort of a Thatcherite political agenda. The caveat to that, just to say, I think, about her economic agenda is that one of the differences perhaps between her and Rishi Sunak, for example, is that even though she advocates for a small state and lower taxes, she's actually arguing from a Keynesian point of view of economics. So Keynes, which is a viewpoint often associated with liberals and the left, is that basically when the economy is doing badly, government should borrow to kind of fuel spending or kind of services. And one of the things that Liz Truss has repeatedly said is particularly due to COVID and things that she's much more comfortable about tolerating high levels of government debt for the next three years to kind of fuel her tax cuts and things. So that makes her quite different from, say, Sunak. But again, it just builds up to this picture of someone we don't really quite know how to nail down what their values are or what their positions will be. It's interesting that you said that people say that she's ambitious. And this is something that a lot of women cop who are in professions where they're climbing corporate ladders. Men generally don't get it as much that to want to go upwards in their career, they're called ambitious. But we've seen her sort of courted in ministries by at least the last three prime ministers. So she must be doing something within her own party that makes her well known enough to be given these great roles. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, one of the very interesting things about the dynamics of the Conservative Party is just how much more diverse it is now than it ever used to be. It used to be dominated by white, pale, male, stale men. And it looks like that Liz Truss and her cabinet, the four key positions, Chancellor, Home Affairs, Foreign Affairs and Treasurer, none of them will be held by a white male. So the party itself is much more, certainly at the senior level, is much more diverse than it ever used to be. And I think you're right to kind of point out women candidates and women leaders often face double sets of standards and gendered judgments about their ability. So ambitious is one that's kind of labelled against them in a similar ways that Julia Gillard faced as Prime Minister of Australia. So as Britain's third female Prime Minister, she will inevitably attract gendered language and kind of assumptions are kind of against her in terms of what she faces. But the point is right, is that under the last three Conservative Prime Ministers, they've all found a home for, I think it was David Cameron, who really brought her into the kind of cabinet and described her as one of the kind of the A-listers, the sort of rising stars of the Conservative Party. What's Liz Truss's relationship with the rest of Europe like? We know that she flipped on Brexit, but also she just recently kind of mentioned that she wasn't sure if the French President Emmanuel Macron was friend or foe. What's her relationship like with the rest of the EU? Troubled, in a short answer. It's a very difficult relationship, and particularly, of course, since Brexit and leaving the European Union about how Britain sought to recalibrate its relationship, because one of the things 
that Britain is still seeking to do or what the British Conservative government is seeking to do is in one sense is to continue to sever some of those links, particularly like the influence of the European Court of Justice, for example. And I think in particular, Liz Truss has real difficulties philosophically with Emmanuel Macron, the current French president. They don't come from very different sort of political backgrounds, but Macron is clearly very pro-EU, very much about rebuilding that kind of relationship and trust in one sense. It'd be interesting to see how trust works with the other G7 and the EU kind of leaders about what to do about with Russia, for example. So again, Trust, I think, on foreign affairs is quite hawkish in many respects. So that's going to be an added layer of complexity and difficulty for that relationship with the French and some of our other European counterparts. I know you've already mentioned sort of some of the ways in which she won over the membership of the Conservative Party. I think there's some 1,700-odd of them who, as you mentioned, are possibly mostly men, mostly white. But would her discussion or talk around Boris Johnson also have been a way in which to win them over? I understand that Conservative members are still quite fond of Boris Johnson, even though he's done all the things. But she seems to be still quite aligned with Johnson. She mentioned even in her speech after it was announced that she'd won that he was her friend and she thanked him for a whole range of things. Let me pay tribute to my predecessor. Boris Johnson delivered Brexit, the COVID vaccine and stood up to Russian aggression. History will see him as a hugely consequential Prime Minister. Is that alignment a strategic one? Yes, it's both genuine in the sense that I think she genuinely is a Johnson loyalist and was supportive and she kind of sees his achievements, particularly around the achievement of getting Brexit done, as a really significant one. And I think it's also a recognition, I think, that baffling as it would be to a number of outsiders about the legacy of Boris Johnson is that many conservative supporters were actually very sad or reluctant to see Johnson step down because Johnson delivered this 80-odd seat majority at the last election. And Johnson, in one sense, had transformed the sort of party. I think he was also probably more ideologically flexible than certainly characters like Rishi Sunak, for example. So in one sense, that probably shows some commonality between Truss and kind of Johnson. So some commentators see her as a bit of a continuity. I know this might not be an easy question to answer, but what kind of PM do you think Liz Truss will be? I've just, like, a collection of words that I've read just today to describe her include, like, she's mad as a box of snakes, she's a straight shooter, she's authentic, she's also a compulsive leaker. One headline out of a Brussels publication said, does the whole world hate Liz Truss? What kind of prime ministerialship do you think she will preside over? That's such a tough question to answer because there's so many unknowns about it. I'd go back to a couple of kind of points, some things that might help her turn out to be a relatively good prime minister and a couple of things where I think maybe actually it's probably not the case. First is this point about her being hardworking. I think she is extremely determined and hardworking in a way that she's prepared to do the groundwork and the background in a way that someone like Boris Johnson wasn't. Johnson famously would turn up to meetings, you know, wildly unprepared and just, you know, go off the cuff and sort of try and use his charm to leak through. Trust isn't like that. And so she's much more hardworking and determined. And that actually is probably going to be a real strength because she'll be put under pressure and put pressure on herself, I imagine, to get on top of her brief and some of these kind of issues. So, And then the second thing would be like her flexibility. 
she seemingly, because of this sort of shapeshifter type ability about her political identity, maybe she might not be as dogmatic. On the flip side of that, the kind of question is, does she actually have no values really of any sense? And when she's just going to go on the whim of what she thinks is going to be electorally expedient rather than actually what's actually probably best for the country, for example. And there's a lot of criticisms about her economic understanding and particularly about what her proposed slew of tax cuts might well do for inflation, which is at crisis points. So some Critics are saying that actually she's really kind of quite economically illiterate around what the consequences of that will be. And then the sort of third thing is that actually in that sort of famous words of Harold Macmillan, I think it was events, dear boy events, I just think that there is almost just too much that almost any prime minister, even a stronger, I think, one that trust might prove to be, to deal with. And I think particularly the energy and the cost of living crisis is just absolutely really undermining the sort of political and civic fabric of Britain. And in one sense, it's not necessarily clear that Trust, let alone many other prime ministers, would be up to the task to deal with that. But we just don't know. And I think it's going to be an interesting ride. So now we wait to see what kind of leader Liz Truss will be. But from speeches in the past, and even now on being told she's the new leader, we know she likes to drop in a bit of humour wherever she can. I'd like to thank the 1922 committee, the party chairman and the Conservative Party for organising one of the longest job interviews in history. Thank you very much. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Liv Proud, with audio production by Tom Lyon. Big thanks to anyone listening who's become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. And of course, you'll be supporting our team of female journalists and producers. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes. 